Amen. If you have your Bibles this morning, we'll be turning to Luke chapter number 15. Luke chapter number 15. All our love goes to the Lord this morning for His goodness that He's shown to us in our lives for His love towards us. The Bible says that God commended His love toward us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Luke chapter number 15. If you would be standing with me for the reading of God's Word, we'll read just a few verses in the Scripture. This is familiar to you. We've preached a couple of sermons from the story of the prodigal son. Today we're going to be focusing mostly upon the Father as it is Father's Day and it's fitting. The Bible says in verse number 11 of Luke 15, And he said a certain man had two sons. And the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falleth to me. And he divided unto them his living. Now we know the story of the prodigal son, how the prodigal son took his inheritance, he squandered it with riotous living, and he came to himself in verse number 17, which is a picture of the beginning stages of repentance. Verse 17, the prodigal son, and when he came to himself, he said, how many hired servants of my father's, fathers have bread enough and to spare, and I perish with hunger. I will arise and go to my father and say unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before thee, and am no more worthy to be called thy son. Make me as one of thy hired servants. And he arose and came to his father. But when he was a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. And the son said unto his father, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in thy sight, and am no more worthy to be called thy son. But the father said to his servants, Bring forth the best robe and put it on him, and put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet, and bring hither the fatted calf and kill it, and let us eat and be merry. For this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found, and they began to be merry. We're going to be dealing with the characteristics of the Father this morning. The characteristics of the Father. Let's go to the Lord in a word of prayer. Our Father, our Heavenly Father, we come into your presence today, asking humbly for your blessing upon this service. Lord, fill our hearts with thoughts from you, from the Scripture. Help me, Lord, as I preach. And I pray, Lord, that you do a great work in the hearts of people today. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Please be seated. We've already spoken a few things during our announcement period about those who are hurting on Father's Day. I, for one, am a fortunate one, a blessed one. My dad is still living, and I, have a, I had a wonderful dad. I have a wonderful dad. And on, on Father's Day, I, I, would be, I would be doing him a great disservice by not paying respect to him. I wouldn't be here today if it wouldn't have been for the investment that my dad made into my life. Everything that I am and everything that I ever will be is, an, is attributed to my dad. And uh, I, I thank God for his love, his consistency, his sacrifice in my life, and for always being there. And I hope and pray that you have a good relationship with your father. If your dad's still here today, I hope you've already taken time, as I have, to reflect upon him 
There's also several other men in my life who I reached out to this morning and told them thank you for their investment to me, and uh, I'm very thankful for that. And I hope today that you can think across your life and remember those people who put hands on you, who invested in you, and uh, that you could give God thanks for them today. In Luke chapter number 15, we have a story that the Lord gave, and you're very familiar with it as we've preached on it through these weeks But the Lord gives this story about a family. If you think about the father in this story, the father was a successful father. He was a wealthy father. He had some things that he had done in his his life that he had laid up for his children. One of the principles in the Bible is that the children shouldn't be laying up for their parents. Parents should be laying up for their children. If you are a parent here today... The Bible tells you, uh, if, you ever have, if you're ever fortunate enough to have grandchildren, that a good man leaves an inheritance to his children's children. And if you have grandchildren, that means that God has rewarded you. They say that grandchildren are a reward for not killing your children. And, uh, you know, I, I can say amen to that. And I pray for the day that I get to have uh, grandchildren. But uh, we see in this story a successful father. He had two sons. And in verse number 12, he came to his dad and said, give me the goods that fall to me. That means that his dad saved for him. That his dad laid up some things for him financially or monetarily. I want to say this, the the most important thing that you can give to your children is a testimony of faith. More than money and more than monetary things, you can give your children a love for truth and a love for the scripture and a love for the things of God. I pray that God would give us a sight of what we're giving to our children. Our children watch. Our children catch things from us. We'll get into that in just a moment. But you see here that the father had, had living, a, he had a portion of goods that he had separated for his children. The Bible also says here in verse number 17 that this man was so successful that he had hired servants. That means that he had employees, if you will. He had people that he hired to do work for him. In order to hire people, you have to have money to pay them. The Bible says that it's a wicked person that would hire somebody to do work and then not pay them for their work. But this father, this man, had enough success in his life to where he had hired servants and his son from a far country recognized that even his father's servants were fed enough and always had some left over. They were fully satisfied and had enough bread left over to where they still had some to eat what we call for leftovers. Okay, Some of you may not like leftovers. I personally like leftovers. I don't even think you're a Baptist if you don't like leftovers. Okay, In, the, in, in California, there's a place called El Sobrante, California. A friend of mine used to pastor out in El Sobrante. El Sobrante meant leftovers. I said, I should have been a member of that church. Because I enjoy leftovers. If we have... If we have uh, if, if we have leftover fish tonight, I can guarantee you tomorrow for lunch, I will put it in the ministry. I, I am fine. You know, I, I was raised by people that came from the World War II generation, people who saved things. They didn't throw away screws, blocks of wood, and anything else. They saved it all. <laughs> Some of you know exactly what I'm talking about. Our parents were hoarders because they came out of the Great Depression and things like that, and they may have a need for it, you know. So anyway, some of you young people have no idea what I'm talking about. We're going to move right along. So this man was a successful man. We also see some of his other characteristics in the story. 
You know, I was reading this, this morning about children, they don't like lectures. How many of you really enjoyed it when your dad sat you down and said, okay, I'm going to tell you who I am. Or I'm going to tell you something. Children typically, they don't like lectures. Now, children need lectures. You need to have those times from your dad when he has a moment of intense fellowship with you where he tells you the way that things are. Because as children, people grow up and they sometimes get filled with pride. So much pride to where they think they've got this world by the tail and they've got it all figured out. And the Bible says, be not wise in thine own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. These are good things to tell young people. Don't think you've got it. You don't. When that angel came down to Elijah as he was on his way to Mount Horeb, the angel said something to him and he said, the journey is too great for you. For you young people who are trying to make it through this life, you can't do it without the Lord. And if you try, you're going to make a mess of your life. But I thank the Lord that He'll be with you and He'll show you grace. You live for the Lord, you do that. This, this particular writer said that it was on the 10th anniversary of the burial of his father that, he, that his dad was on his mind a lot. He said he gave him, himself a few moments to stop and think, what in terms of character did I catch from my dad? Because he was not a man of many words. This man's father was a man from West Texas, an oil field mechanic. He said, what did I catch? One of the earliest memories I have of my father was when I was old enough to read and old enough to get bored in church. I was sitting, holding his pocketbook that had a check stub in it and a check ledger. What I remember is that when we entered a series of checks that was written out to the church where we attended, not just one, but all the way down, one page down to the next, down to the next, down to the next, down to the next. Only later would I learn of his practice of sitting down the first day, the first day of every year and writing out 52 contributions. The money wasn't there. Hmm. And he wouldn't give all those checks at once. He waited until those dates came by. He postdated them. But he, would, but he put those checks in a drawer so that on Sunday morning he wouldn't forget and he wouldn't be tempted not to give. He didn't make a lot of money, and I don't know what the amount was. But do you think I caught something? He never sat down and gave me a lecture on being a steward, but gave me a lesson. As our children see us, as they watch us, as they listen to us, what are they catching? What did I, what did I catch? I started thinking about what did I catch from my dad. I, I had a similar experience. I was raised by a religious father. The Lord saved my dad before I was born. And I was raised in church three times a week. I sat in the second pew. The, the building where I grew up in was separated into two pews. There was an aisle on the side, the sides, and an aisle in the middle. And my parents always sat in the second row where Brother Drew is over here to the, to the left side. This is where I would sit in that row. That was the, the row where the Boojack boys would misbehave. <laughs> and I remember looking down at my dad on Sundays. My dad, we were poor when we were growing up. My dad was laid off uh, when I was young from General Motors, 1979 through 82 or so. He was laid off for a good three years, and he, uh, he would do odd jobs. He made $3.15 an hour. He found ways to do paper routes and, and work hard to put us kids through Christian school. He didn't want us going to public school. He put us through private school on $3.15 an hour. He made $18,000 in 1982. 
and spent 3,000 of the 18,000 putting us in Christian school. He was a man of great sacrifice. But I remember how that I would look down the pew at my dad on Sundays and he would be writing out checks. Same as this. He didn't post-date his checks. My dad would never sign a check that he wasn't going to give. In this writer's illustration, he said that his dad wrote out 52 checks at the beginning of the year and every week he would, he would give that check to the Lord. I had a similar experience because, you know, when I would sneak into my dad's room and go into his top drawer, you know, there were some things inside the top drawer. How many of you ever snuck into your dad's room and went inside of his drawer? We got one honest person in the room today, Mrs. Black. Okay, all right, we got two or three others. Once I started calling out people's honesty, everybody's hands go up. I see, you guys need a little bit of recognition in order to be truthful. No, I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. Come on, folks, it's okay. But I went into my dad's drawer, and there was something in my dad's drawer that I liked to look at. He had a stack of tithing envelopes in there. You know, I was just a little boy, but I learned something. I learned that my dad had a priority for the Lord in his life. That dad put God first in all of his ways. God had my dad's heart. He had his pocketbook. He had his time, his talents, and his treasure. What did I catch from my dad? My dad was a hard worker. I, I remember as a little boy, I, had a, I was drawn to the hard work of my father. My dad was a hero to me. He, he got up early every day. Those years where he was laid off, he'd work two and three jobs. And, and, and I'd get up in the middle of the, the night to use the restroom, and my dad would be up getting ready for work, and he'd shoo me off back down to bed. And I, I'd stand by my window at the side waiting for my dad to start up an ugly station wagon that he had used coat, coat hangers and soup cans to fix up the, the, the exhaust, you know, so that, so that our, our vehicle didn't sound like it was one of these racing vehicles and wake the neighbors up at 3 in the morning. And I, I'd, I'd, I'd wait at my window and watch my dad pull down the, the street, and I would, I would cry and just be so thankful for a hardworking father. I'm still thankful for a dad who put some work ethic into my life. You know, that's how this country was built, young people. This country was built not by people who talked about work, but, but by people who worked. This, what, this country wasn't built by people who talked about sacrifice. It was built by people who sacrificed. Many times their blood was shed so that we could come to a place just like this in freedom. I thank God for the work ethic that our, our forefathers, some of you could, could stand to catch a little bit of that work ethic. It's nothing wrong about getting your hands dirty. There's nothing wrong with about putting in a good day's work. Some of you need to learn how to sweat. Some of you need to learn how to get up to an alarm and get out and work hard. That's what life is all about. You'll never accomplish anything while you're being lazy. I thank the Lord my dad didn't value laziness. He encouraged hard work. We were doing paper routes by the time we were 11 years old. Delivering to Detroit Free Press in the morning in Detroit. and I remember I was a, I was a young person and I did struggle to get out of bed. So I know the pain. I know how hard it was. My brother and sister, I was the youngest of three, and there was a time they got locked out of the house somehow in the middle of a snowstorm, and I was downstairs sleeping around the age of nine or ten, and they couldn't wake me up. They were banging on my window. They had a metal garbage can outside my window, banging that thing on, and it just was incorporated into my dream. (laughs) They were outside freezing. But my dad, what I caught from my dad was an unparalleled work ethic. You know what I taught from my dad was that love equaled sacrifice. He sacrificed for his family. There were some things that he put down. There were certain things I never saw my dad do. I'll tell you what I never heard my dad do. I never heard my dad utter a cuss word. 
Now, if you're a dad and you're struggling with your language, you need to remember something. When you've got kids coming up in the house, is they're going to they're gonna mimic you. And my dad took his job as a dad serious. And if you have a dad today and he put away all these things, these childish things from the past, and he was a good example, you ought to be saying, thank you, dad, for standing up for truth for me, for being a real dad. Love equals sacrifice. I saw my dad giving to the Lord each week and already gave you that story. My dad was committed to the truth. My dad found truth in the scriptures and he ensured that I was taught the scriptures in my youth. The Bible was a staple at our house. It wasn't just a book that sat on the table. We actually practiced our memory verses. My dad helped me with my homework. That Christian school had had verses going into my life. Every day I went to Bible class at school. It was a good thing for me to learn the Bible at school. It was a good thing for me to learn thou shalt not have any other gods before me at school. It was a good thing for me to learn thou shalt not commit adultery and thou shalt not bear false witness and it was good for me to learn those things in school it's a shame that our schools are are avoiding the bible today the bible's a good book they put this book into my heart by the time i was in first grade i knew all the books in the bible i knew many of the verses in the bible we, my dad took me to an Awana program on Wednesday nights and, and, and I would learn how to, how to memorize scripture. And it was a big deal in our home. My parents encouraged it. They wanted me to, to put the word of God in my heart because my dad knew the truths of the scripture. From Psalm chapter 119, thy word have I hid in mine heart that I might not sin against God. So I thank the Lord that the Bible was a staple. Now our home wasn't perfect. It wasn't perfect because my parents were sinners. My older sister was a sinner. The worst sinner in our home was my sister. <laughs> that ain't, that's not true at all. You're looking at the worst sinner in our house. But I like to tease my sister. Our, our home wasn't perfect. Well, I want to tell you something. Jesus was there. I remember that we turned to the Lord in prayer whenever we went through troubles. I remember times with both my dad and my mom where they prayed with me in my bedroom. We never started a family meal without prayer, ever. When we gathered together around a family table, and a family table was a good time in our lives, especially on Sundays, we were around that table together. And we're on the ta- around the table a lot, and, and, and my body shows that. And I, I'm thank- I, I mean, if we, we, are, we aren't uh, meeting, we're, if, we're, if we're eating, we're meeting the whole thing. I'm Baptist. Casseroles were a staple. Other things were staples in our home. But when we gathered together for a family meal, Sometimes my dad would call on us kids to pray. Most of the times my dad would pray. When we had our family gatherings around Christmas time, we weren't allowed to open up presents until we prayed, until we talked about Jesus being the greatest gift that there ever was. I mean, my dad made it very apparent to us to who was first in his life. I thank the Lord for that. All our Christmas gatherings did start with the, the story of Jesus. And all that tells you is, is that I, I have a dad who loved me. I had a dad who loved his family. And I thank God for a great example that I had in my dad. In this particular story, you see the, the father's love. You know, our Heavenly Father has a great amount of love uh, for us. The Bible says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. You know, God loved this world so much 
that he gave his very best. Man couldn't atone for his sins. Man couldn't do it on his own. This is why if you're going to a church and they're preaching a works for salvation, that you get saved because of how good you are and uh, how good you get to do things and how well you do them. Listen, that's a works-based salvation and it'll never get the job done. You can't save yourself. Took God to send his son to this earth to save you, to shed his blood for sin. You see the father's love in this story. First you see his investment, how he laid up things for his children. He invested in them, but this young man got to a point where he felt like the best way for his life would be to move away from home and live his own way. And we see later in the story that he wasted his money on riotous living and on harlots. So his father was successful and wealthy, and he had hired servants. He had happy servants, and they had leftovers to eat. We also see that in the field, his older brother was still working and later in the story. So you can see from this story how this man really instilled into his sons the value of a good day's work. But next we see the father's broken heart. His son was gone. The Bible says in Psalm chapter number 34, that the Lord is nigh unto them that are of a broken heart. You know, if you have a broken heart today, That God's close to you. The father in this story, you know, the Bible talked about he was, you know, in verse number 20, when when this son was a great way off, his dad was watching for him. You know, the picture in my mind is of a father who had prayed many times, Lord, would you show mercy to my son? He's out there in the far country, Lord. Somehow, would you get his attention? Would Would you bring him back to me, Lord? Now, he didn't go back there. And by the way, some parents, if you go out to the far country and try to pull your kids back in from the far country, you need to let the far country just have its way. Because the Lord knows how to bring your children to the end of themselves. We got a, we got a world full of parents who seem to be enabling their children to live wrong and they don't never let them suffer the consequences for their sins. You know, the prodigal son needed to see the pig pen. He needed to be left in the pig pen until he got done living in the pig pen. He was never going to come home. And there could be somebody here today, and spiritually speaking, you've been living in a pig pen, and our God's calling you today. How many hired servants have enough and to spare? You need to come out of that pig pen. You need to start thinking and coming to yourself about what your future looks like without the Lord. And I could see this father as he prayed, and as his heart was broken. You know, some, nobody can hurt you like your family. Some people are here today, and your father hurts you. He broke your heart. Many fathers have a problem with anger and they got a problem with violence and, and they put their hands on people and there's abusive situations that take place and there's people today who are dealing with the hurt of an abusive father. But this particular father, he had a broken heart. His child had hurt him. His child had gone off into the far country. His child was gone, but it didn't take his prayer. It didn't take his hope. He was sitting on the porch and he was watching. And he could see with his mind's eye that there may come a day when he'd see that boy coming back home. Remember years ago I was pastoring a church and every week our men would come in and there was this one particular young lady that we were praying for week after week after week. For many years we would pray for this girl. And this girl was just off in sin and just away from the Lord and had a bad attitude about the things of the Lord and the things of God and wouldn't even come to church. And we prayed faithfully for weeks. And my last year pastor in there, I, 
I saw something that I'd seen in my mind's eye many times. I saw her come to church. And at the invitation, something I'd prayed for so many times, I saw that girl walk down the aisle and get her life right with the Lord. Never forget that there is a God in heaven who can hear your prayer and He knows the brokenness of your heart. The father's broken heart didn't lead him to a hopeless situation. It led him to a place where he looked for his son to come home. He didn't didn't stop loving his son when his son was off in in the pig pen and in the far country. He loved his son. You see his compassion... And in this passage of scripture, the Bible says, but when he was a great way off, when his father saw him, the Bible says that he had compassion. His compassion said, I'm not waiting for him to get all the way back. He said, I'm going to meet him in the middle. As soon as he saw him, he ran to him. You know, the Bible says you draw nigh to God and he'll draw near to you. God does meet you in the middle. God's not expecting you to be perfect, sir, ma'am. God doesn't expect perfection from you. But what God does look for is your direction. Some of you are directed away from God. You're fighting against God. You're shaking your fist at God. As much as you're doing that, He cannot help you in that condition. But when you take one step back towards God, you're in the perfect will of God right there. That step right there, you're in the perfect will of God. You say, well, it'll take me years to unravel all this mess. You could be in the right situation. God can take your life. He can take a mess and He can turn it into a miracle. In Luke chapter number 1 and verse number 17, we're in the book of Luke now. The Bible talks about John the Baptist coming on the scene. He was prophesied about, uh, and and before he was even born, his parents were talked about. They they were told about what John would accomplish in his life. And in in Luke chapter number 1 and verse number 17, the prophecy about John the Baptist was in that he shall go before him in the spirit and power of Elias to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children. And the disobedience, the disobedient to the wisdom of the just, to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. You know, one thing that preaching does is it accomplishes something. And the preaching of John the Baptist accomplished something in the, in the minds and the hearts of those who heard him preach. It turned the hearts of the fathers to their children. And my friends, if I don't leave my kids any money, I could leave them my Bible. You understand? I can leave them my faith. He was going to turn the hearts of the fathers to their children to be concerned about their future, to be concerned about their spiritual well-being. And this is what John did when he came on this scene. He turned the hearts of the fathers to the children. Sometimes dads get their, their priorities in the wrong place and they forget that there are people watching. And we forget our great responsibility, and sometimes we got to have a reset mode in our lives. Perhaps you need a reset today, Dad. But preaching many times does this. The Father's compassion, and, and I know that my compassion for my children is always heightened when I hear preaching about what kind of man that I should be from the Scripture. He also had hope. There's always a hope that should go with us as fathers. We should, we should have hope. Some of you are praying for your children and your grandchildren today. And it, the, the situation may, to the, to the world, seem hopeless. But there is always hope in Jesus Christ. There's a great hope. The Bible says that He, he is the blessed hope. You know, a hope in the Bible is not a wish. It's a confident expectation. This man in Luke chapter 15 was watching with, with compassion. He was watching with hope. He'd never given up hope on his son. And we must not lose hope, even if the situation appears hopeless. That's right. 
For every pig pen, there is a homecoming. I've been in some pig pens myself in life. I've been away from God. I've lived a life of the prodigal at times. And I know this, every time I come back to the Lord, the Lord's there with open arms to receive me. We sing songs about coming home. I've wandered far away from God, but now I'm coming home. The paths of sin, too long I've trod. Lord, I'm coming home. You need to come home spiritually. And every time you come home, you'll find the Father with His arms open wide. His arms of love will be open wide. As the song says, open wide thine arms of love, Lord. I'm coming home. There is a homecoming for those who are wayward. You may have wayward people in your life today. They, they don't deserve your hatred. We don't hate people who disagree with us. We don't hate people that are in the pig pen. We speak truth to those who are in the pig pen. You need to come out of the pig pen. We don't condone. We don't pat people on the back for going to the pig pen. We don't say good job. We don't say that God's okay with it. God is not okay with it if you're living in the pig pen. The same thing, the same principles here go, you know, stand for today. If you're living in a way that is apart from God and you're spiritually in a pig pen, God wants you to come to yourself and say, this isn't good for me. And it is not good for you to be in a pig pen. But there are homecomings for those. You know, many of us today have lived the lives of the prodigal and we've seen that the Lord can forgive. If there's anything we can encourage you about today is, why don't you come home? There could be somebody sitting under the sound of my voice. And in your heart, you've been away from God. And you're not giving God your best. And you don't have God first. In every, in every church, there are going to be people who listen to the sermons, but they don't have the Lord. There, there, there are people in in church for many years before I got saved by the grace of God. I want to encourage you today, if you're lost, God's standing there waiting for you. And He doesn't require you to clean up your life. You don't have to get rid of anything in your life. But what you do need to do is confess that you are a sinner. And you need to come to Jesus Christ through His shed blood on Calvary's cross in order to save you from your sin. Not only do you see the Father's hope in this passage, but you also see the Father's forgiveness. You know, here we have this, this scene where the, the young man made that mouth confession to his father. It was talking about what, what took place in his heart. and He was just wanting to say to his dad, Father... You know, I've sinned against heaven and, and, and in thy sight. Verse number 21. I'm no more worthy to be called thy son. His dad wasn't having any of that. He said, no, 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 no. You are still my son. And he said, that's it. He, he made his confession. He is back home. My son, which was dead, is alive again. He was lost and he's found. And the party began. So you see the father's forgiveness. Forgiveness was offered. But the restoration didn't take place until there was confession by the son. Where this repentance was seen in his life. I want to ask you something today. You need to turn in your heart from sin. Is something going on in your life where you say, you know what, God's wanting me to, to turn from this. By way of salvation, you need to turn from yourself, your philosophy. Well, I just don't think that's the way God is. I think I could just live in my sin and do whatever I want and He'll just take me like I am. The Lord will take you like you are. He'll take you just as you are, but you've got to come to the Lord humbly to be saved. If you're lost today, I want to address you dads before we close. If you're a dad here today and you, you don't know that you're saved, I want to encourage you to get saved before it's eternally too late. 
I've had family members whose their dad has died and there was no clear profession of faith. This last week, our, our dear brother, Brother Hopper, went home to be with the Lord. Me and Brother Allen went over there to visit with him a few weeks ago, shared a milkshake with him. I didn't share it, I just bought it. I'm, I'm diabetic and I quit that stuff. <laughs> Had to, because I wanted to keep my legs. But Brother Bob was enjoying that and he was giving me a... He, he, was, he was giving me his testimony of salvation. He gave a clear testimony of salvation. Telling me how he was looking forward to being reunited with some of his children that had gone on to be with the Lord. I want to tell you something. Brother Bob had a clear testimony of salvation. How about you? Do you have a clear testimony? Have your children heard you say when you got saved, when you were born again? Do you, do you know the Lord? If you died right now, do you know where you'd be going? Some of you may not. There's a song that a songwriter wrote. I listened to it this morning. I don't have all the words written down, but basically it was a song about a dad who came to the table whose wife was trying to get him to come to church. And he's sitting around a table with his son who was hiding behind a box of Cheerios. And she was trying to say, Honey, would, would you come to church with me today? He said, No, I'm not going to come to church. He, he said, I guess I'm going to that place that's uh, made for folks like me. And then she turned to her son sitting behind that box of Cheerios. And she said, son, would you get up? Would you get ready to come to church? And he said, no, I want to go with my daddy. I, w- I want to go with my daddy to that place that's made for people like him. And it broke his dad's heart. And his dad got up from the table and he got ready to go to church. And he had a change of destination that day because he got saved at the Lord's house. And I just want to tell you something today. If you don't know the Lord as your Savior, could I say to you as your friend, Jesus paid everything for you to get saved. It'd be a shame if you didn't get saved. You say, what do I need to do to get saved? You believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. He'll take you just as you are. He'll forgive you. Just as the Father forgave His Son in this story, He forgives you full and free. Everything you ever done, you bring to the Lord and say, Lord, I'm a sinner. But I know that you died for me on Calvary's cross. You shed your blood. And I'm trusting you right now to save me, to forgive me. The Lord offers full forgiveness. If you get saved today, there'll be rejoicing in heaven. The angels will be rejoicing in heaven. I pray that the, the bells of heaven would be ringing today. If you're lost, you need to get saved. If you're a dad today and you've never given your testimony to your children and you are saved, you need to. Let your children know. Let them hear. You know, some of you need to write letters to your children. Letters of hope and prayer. This is my highest hope for you. Don't archive your worst thoughts about your children. Don't, don't, don't write letters to criticize them. Write letters and tell them what your hopes are for their life. You build up their life. You edify them. You build them up. You let them know that your highest hope for them is to turn from their sin and to believe on Christ and to live their life for the Lord Jesus Christ. Some of you would do well to prepare for those days. But the Father's full forgiveness was seen here. I want to ask you a question today as we close. Have you ever been saved by the grace of God? As we're going through the story of the prodigal son, do you find yourself in the story? Are you the prodigal son who's still in the pig pen? Won't you come out of that today? Can you identify with this prodigal who's come back to the Father and received that full and free forgiveness? I pray that God's done a work in your heart today. Maybe you're a dad today and you need to pray for your children. Maybe you're a dad today and you need to get some things right with the Lord. Wouldn't it be something... If this altar for the invitation was filled with dads who wanted to seek the Lord in their life. If God's ever going to do anything in this church, ever, 
It's going to be because the men of this church take their spiritual life seriously. If God's ever going to do anything in this church, it'll be because the men in this church take their spiritual lives seriously. Let's stand together with our heads bowed and our eyes closed. As we prepare for this verse of invitation, if you're lost today and God's spoken to your heart, won't you come? We'll help you. You need to be saved. If you're a dad today, and you want to get your heart right with God, he's as close as that prayer that you need to give to him. Brother John's going to sing in just a moment. Some of you need to come back to the Lord spiritually. He's calling you. Won't you come as we sing? Won't you come this morning if you're lost, sir? So I'm not a father. You don't have to be a father to get saved. You can be a young person here and you, you need to get saved. You need to come. Believe on the Lord if He's called you. If He's knocked on your heart's door, don't put Him off. Get saved today. Have that peace with God today. Won't you come? Come
the Lord. If you're a believer here today, your hope should be restored in the Lord. Our God is able. He can help you. house of the Lord today. I pray that you've been touched. You know, there shouldn't be many times where we come to God's house where our emotions are not moved to tears. And uh, I don't know all the situations that go on in families that uh, attend church. I, I do know my family. You know, it's a, it's a different time for me. I'm away from my family today. And thank God for giving me a good family to be thankful for. But I'm thankful for what God is doing in my life. And I look, forward to, I look forward to the day that Jesus hears and answers my prayer. I know he hears me, but he answers prayers in his timing, not mine. There's some things he's doing when I can't see. And my faith still looks up to the Lord. And uh, I hope and pray that your heart has been blessed this morning by being in the church house. You know, the, it's good for us to pour our burdens out to the Lord. And uh, I pray this Father's Day special uh, for you. I, wherever you're going to eat this afternoon, uh, however you spend this time with your family, I hope that you have a blessed time and that it's blessed even more because you decided that you were going to be in the Lord's house today. Uh, let's be in prayer for one another. Don't forget, tonight at 6 o'clock we'll be having a service. We'll, we're going through a journey through uh, 1 Samuel. And uh, we're in the, the middle portion of the first part of 1 Samuel and uh, we pray that tonight's service will be blessed. I promise to keep the service tonight brief, but it's going to be a good service. And I hope the service will be a, a benefit to you. And I know this, that if you come, you will be blessed. We're going to have wonderful fish tonight. If you've never had striper bass, you are missing out on a true blessing. Our men are great cooks, and uh, we're going to set some tables out tonight. We're just going to get together and have a good time. Amen? And uh, we're thankful for you being here today. We're going to call on our church evangelist, Brother Wayne Hudson, to dismiss the service, please.
what we come before you this morning with broken hearts for those whose families are shattered, broken, God, I pray that you help us. I confess my own self inadequate for the calling of the Father. Lord, I gotta have you. Lord, in our families, we've gotta have you. Lord, I pray you help us to turn our face toward Jesus. Lord, claim the promises that God has claimed as He went back home. God, I pray you help us to turn and come home. Or do a work in the families of this church, the families of America, the families of the family members out there in the cold and the dark. Lord, I pray God that you help them to see the sunshine over here. And there's bread in fact. Thank you for the great message from God. Thank you, Lord. Lord, help us to take it to our heart. Help us to be and do what you call us to do. Move on, Lord. Help us, help us to turn. Help us to be. Help us to do today. Glorify the name of the Lord in our lives. Take us, shape us, and make us. Thank you.